Robinson on. He's and it's goal of the season, Frank Most people would say I was mad. Hello and welcome along to another episode of the Downhill Second Half Podcast. Joining me, Ian DL, is a man who is as lethal with an Excel spreadsheet as Jason Punchin with a last minute long range free kick. It's our podcast producer, James Harrison. Thank you very much for that one as well, Ian. Cheers. And alongside him is our resident wordsmith with all the craft yet unpredictability of a young Yannick Balassi, Mr. Craig Clayson. <laughs> Thank you, Ian. Thank you very much. <laughs> and that's not everyone today. Um, I'm delighted to announce our first ever podcast guest. Um, he is well known for scoring goals at Underhill, but did you also know he has a greater managerial win percentage record at the club than Edgar Davids, Ray Clements, John Still, and even Paul Fairclough? It's Giuliano Grazioli. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I thought we'd go in a slightly different direction there uh, for the intro. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> right. So, um, one of the things I wanted to ask uh, was obviously, you grew up in and around the area. Before you joined uh, Barnet as a player, um, what was your awareness of the club? What was your relationship with the club? What did you know about it? Well, I went to secondary school in Barnet. I went to Finchley Catholic High School. Um, and it was sort of the Everyone was Arsenal fans, Tottenham fans. Every so often, like, a group of us would just go down the hill and watch it. It was literally up the road from where we lived. Um, and then, but funnily enough, when I was at Swindon Town, I, uh, I got suspended. I got sent off twice in the season. So I got given a, a five-patch ban, um, <laughs> which, which you, I know you're laughing because you think, well, you ain't got a tackle in your life. But I did. It, got sent off twice in the season. it wasn't really your style. No, it wasn't. Even in, even I couldn't believe. It. That's why they didn't find me because they knew it wasn't, wasn't right. One was actually for uh, having a punch up with Eddie Howe, which is a claim to fame. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. started it. Um, he stepped on my colleague's face on the floor, and I went Ooh. over and gave it a typical Italian shove, shove, shove. <laughs> and it all sort of started a big brawl. We all went off. Referee went to restart the game. The lines was like that, showing his flag, flag was, and he's gone flying over to the linesman. Linesman like pointing somewhere and I'm like are you pointing at me and I'm, I'm the one who got rid so um, that, was, that was the second so I got given five matches and that time it was about four weeks off so every Saturday I was sent to watch a game um, and I could pick what game I wanted to go and watch so I was to do scouting on Barnet so I was to sit in the stands right. and watch games so um, before that though when I was at Peter I knew like Ken Charlery Scott McLeish Billy Manuel Mark Basham Greg Hild I'd been with them. I travelled in the car schools when we, we were at Peterborough together. So, um, yeah, Barnet was always always there or thereabouts and obviously local paper and stuff. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of those players actually are, I think, sort of North London based as well, aren't they? So did you, did you travel together up for training and stuff like that? Or? We used to meet at South Mims. The hotel at South Mims used to park up there and go, and five of us in the car. The smells in that car were a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> There's one time Gary Breen, um, obviously ex-Barnet as well, he um he got told to put on weight, which is unusual for <laughs> And um, oh, he, I think James he can that one. <laughs> yeah, thanks. He he was quite skinny, wasn't he? I used to, I used to model my game on him. Yeah, so um he got he got tasked to eat a lot more peanuts, um <laughs> and protein. So those car journeys were a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> but great fun, I you, you know. I you, you, build strong, 
I'm, I remember you once telling me a story uh, that involved, I think, a disposable camera and uh, some yes. speaker yeah, cameras. Yeah, um, on one of the journeys. My, for some reason, um, I went back home to mum and dad's and my dad had gone through his shed and he found one of them old-fashioned cameras that you put the flash on top. Yeah. And um, it, like, like, it could come off, you could remove it. And he just, he just used to flash. I thought, I'll do that in the morning, just trick some of the lads. So as we're driving in at South Mims, Scott McLeish's turn to drive. Um, I'm sat in the back pretending to be asleep, which a lot of, a lot of time he, he probably did after time. Um, and every time he put his foot down, I'd flash it. He'd he go, what the fuck? There's no fucking excuse my language. Am I allowed to swear on here, by the way? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, he was like, what the fuck? There's no camera. There's no camera. And Gary Breen was involved in it. He knew what I was doing. <laughs> so he was like the, the dummy actor going, wow, Scott, can't believe it. You got points on your license already, <laughs> and Pete said, like, "Yeah, well, three, what? I can't believe it." And I must have done this four times on the way to Peterborough. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> every time he put his foot down, but you know the the tunnel at Hatfield Galleria. Yeah, I did it. I did it in there. They've never had a fucking camera in a tunnel. <laughs> never had it, and because of the flash, of the dark tunnel, the flash was even greater, so it really looked real. <laughs> um, and then a the funny bit: there's a bit going up to Sandy where there's uh, there is a camera. And I knew it was there. And so we were all going, Scott, slow down at the camera here, slow down. <laughs> and he's doing literally, the, I think speed limit's 50, but he was doing like 30, really slow. And I still flashed it. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until we got in the change rooms, I went, I went like that. And he, <laughs> Gary Brini was brilliant on that day because he, he, he was in it with us. So. It's quite funny. Yeah, yeah, someone like Gary Breen, who's like an international renowned footballer who scored in the World Cup. Doing something stupid like that. Well, Gary was a great, great team player. He was great fun. Yeah, some good stories. As I said, that car journey home. There's one time as well. We, I think one of the boys' own songs come on, like Father and Son, I think. And I, I remember sitting there looking around, and we're all singing like we're in the bloody band. And there's cars going <laughs> past. Look at us going, what the? <laughs> but uh, great time. Then I say you build relationships and, and team spirit. So uh, it was all good. Good. Yeah, well, because obviously we, we were going to sort of segue into this by saying that obviously you signed for Barnet in 2003, but um, there was obviously the sort of famous incident, if you like, in 98, uh, five years before, game that Craig talked about in our last episode where he fondly recalled uh, John Ford headbutting Jimmy Quinn. Uh, yeah. And that wasn't, that wasn't <laughs> the main story of the day. That was just a side note in uh, the game that was Barnet 1, Peterborough United 9, uh, where you obviously scored five goals for the away team, but it's kind of widely reported that you were supposed to be signing for Barnet around that time and for fairly obvious reasons, it never came about. Um, just obviously to shed a bit more light on that would be great. Yeah, we, um, obviously I, I knew all the boys there anyway and, and Stilly um, signed me from non-league football from Wembley to Peterborough. He was the manager who signed me um, and the story with that was us, he signed me from Wembley, uh, all happy, become a professional footballer, Left university, you know, childhood dream. And I got a letter in the post from the FA to say I had to attend, uh, not a court case, but a hearing from the FA. Peter had been done for legal approach and I was still under contract at Wimbley, uh, which I never signed any form of contract at all. Yeah. But I, was, I wasn't allowed to play football for six months, train with anybody. Uh, so my dream of being a footballer to all of a sudden being told you can't go anywhere um, was a bit of a, a bit demoralising. So I ended up working in Sainsbury's. I met a good friend called Jeffrey. Well, I was in Sainsbury's, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. 
Um, and that's where we met. Uh, obviously, I had more hair then. Still silly as ever, but I had more hair. Um, so, but when I, so, but it was still the manager, and he stuck by me right through, right through the court, the case we had, the hearing, solicitors involved. So um, I owe him a bit of gratitude, really, Stilly, for what he'd he, he done that time. But he, I signed on a Tuesday in, in October, and on the following Saturday, he resigned. Yeah. So from, you know, someone bringing me in, and I'm happy, to all of a sudden, he's, he's left. So yeah, that's with the link. Was, wasn't it, it was a second spell at Peterborough, wasn't it, when you the, the game were on about? You, you'd been there and come yeah, back. Yeah, it was my second spell. Yeah, yeah, that was my second spell. But so Stilly knew me from my Peterborough days. He, he used to come to Wembley a lot to watch me. Um, and I knew he was he was interested. So when he was at Barnet, um, I had no agent at the time. Back then, there was no sort of agents um, unless you were in the in the top division. Um, and Barry Fry, he was renowned for on a Thursday we'd go for a warm up, old school warm up, like run around that tree, you know, <laughs> run around that, run over there. And he'd um, every now and then you're there, Martin, come here. And you think, oh yeah, Martin's off somewhere. He'd pull you off the running because someone's come in for you, and that. Eventful Thursday, it was my turn. Grats! And you go, oh, fuck, here we go. <laughs> Abridge Swifts or, you know, someone that he's got a favourite Bedford Town. You know, I'm going somewhere. And uh, I remember jogging over. And he just went, Grats, got a dilemma. Uh, you're going to Barnet. I went, oh, all right. Yeah, been agreed. Um, I'll stop there. I've got, I won't do the voice. I won't touch my throat. <laughs> He, he, he got a barnet, got a bit of a dilemma though. I've got no centre forwards. You're going to have to pay for me Saturday. I went right. I said, but we're playing Dominic. He went, I know. He said, but, you know, it's been agreed. I said, what if I'm really shit? You know, uh, you know, it's not the game you really want to play in and the fans see you. And then all of a sudden I'm signing on the Monday. He went, no, no, I'll be fine. Don't worry. Just pay for us. Jimmy, uh, you and Jimmy up front. Mike Carruthers is injured. Zeke Rose coming back from injury. You're playing. I went, okay, fine, no problem. Then all of a sudden, that was the Thursday. So Friday, all the nerves start setting in because it's my first real start for Peterborough. All my family and friends want to come to the game. And it's your first game. You don't really want people there because you think, well, I don't know how you're going to perform. Um, so I turned up to the ground. I remember the first person I met was Greg Hill. He was obviously at Barnet at the time. And he was injured. He went, you start? And I went, yeah. He said, no, you'd be great. I said, I'm nervous. He said, no, don't worry. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. And Scott McLeish was sub as well. And I knew them all because we'd all been to Ayanapa that summer before. And all. <laughs> Me and the Barnet boys were really close. You know, we'd always meet up every summer. Right. So I knew them all. Um, and then obviously, that was it. The story tells itself. It's one of them, though, that any shot you hit went in that day. You know, like when you're in a school playground, you have one of those break time runs. Yeah. Just obviously hitting things from 20 yards. He even ran from the halfway line once. Yeah, well, I, 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 watched, I watched them back last night just to, uh, you know, do a bit of pre-podcast research. And, uh, yeah, the third one was a great hit from a bit of range, which I'm not sure he ever scored from that far out for Barnet. But I think the one that stood out <laughs> the most was the, the, yeah, the run from the halfway line. I think the only time you've otherwise outpaced the centre-half in the same way as that was... Uh, All right. All right. Terezo <laughs> <Wedge. laughs> <laughs> Well, that, what, he, what he means is you had better strengths. Different yeah. strengths. <laughs> you need the pace, Matt. All right, Ian. Too clever for that. Yeah. Um, the thing about the third goal, when I scored it, I went running over to the community stand. The old, remember the old community stand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my mum, my sister, my dad, all my cousins, my relatives, friends were all there. And they're all jumping up. I'm going, and I, I just run towards them. And they're all happy. And, and I'm thinking, yeah. oh, shit. This is, 
you know, this is still people. That's the home end. <laughs> and they're in the home end. I better be careful. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, though, that um, the goals aside, is a cracking headbutt, wasn't it? We, we sort of covered this before, but I'll tell you what, if you want to, sometimes you see players roll around a bit and you think, you know, you, you, you're making yeah. a bit of that. But that, what, the that, contact that was... And I mentioned Iron Appa. Fordy was in Iron Appa that summer. So he's one of them. It's all kicking off. But these people are probably... I'm more I'm closer to the Barnet boys than I was my own teammates. So there's a yeah. bit of a kerfuffle when you're like, I liked him, he was all right. And you, you're trying to look yeah. the brave one and think he was a hell of a head, but I missed it. I had my back turned. I didn't, but, um, I didn't actually, I didn't actually realise that you were so close to the Barnet lads that you spoke about, like McLeish Hield and those boys. But um, I often, obviously the story goes that you never end up signing for Barnet because of the, because of the five goals. But I wonder what it would have been like if you'd have turned up on the Monday morning and the signing had still gone through. And you just turned oh, up, no. up to the lads and went, all right, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> the, um, no, seriously, that on the way, on the coach, no, as we got back in the change room, it was like, Barry, like that's it, deal's off, you ain't going nowhere. You know, it was like, that was it, that was the end. Um, get, you got an agent? No, come and see me Monday. It was like, Monday, it's my first game. And I've thought like I scored five, but one of them lucky days. But you know what Barry is like, you know, I tell you, you're never going to score a goal as long as you're holding your ass. Or you're trying to to Tottenham, you know. So that's how that's how he was. But a good manager to play for, I imagine. Uh, you know what? He was the most honest manager at the lot. Because, like I said, he'll tell you straight in the change rooms. The lads will tell you some of the stories in the change rooms that we saw. I've seen players cry. He used to ruin players, and we'd sit at the back, chuckling like that under our shirts, just <laughs> shoulders and heads moving, and then he'd turn around, right? You know, just stiff. <laughs> you can talk, I remember we, we played uh, crew and we were 2 0 down. And that's when they had, they had like Robbie Savage, Neil Lennon playing. And they right. were near the top. And we were 2 0 down and we cut back to 2 2. And we went back in the change rooms after the game, all happy. He went, That was fucking shit. All in tomorrow, 8 o'clock. And he went around every player, hammered everybody, like really hammered them. Nothing, I've got away with this. And he came on for 10 minutes. I thought, well, He can't say nothing to me. He tore me to bits. You, you little bugger, he used to go, you think you're in Syria, eh? You in League fucking one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was great. He, I loved him. He was just... But, uh, people like that aren't getting the game no more. Characters like him are just not around. He, he loved football. He loved winning. Uh, he loved the buzz. Um, didn't coach. He knew he wasn't a coach. He used to bring coaches in. Um, where Phil Neal, the Liverpool legend, Phil Neal. Remember him? Yeah. Absolute legend. And Phil used to coach us, he was the assistant manager, and coach us Monday to Friday on a set shape and set pieces. And come the Saturday, he better go, nah, fuck that, we're going 4 3 3. And you can see Phil going, what? That's what I And this is the set pieces. No, you go near post, he'll change it all. But as I said, he, he loved it. He was just, it was, it was, it was. It was never, ever horrible under Barry because even if you weren't playing, you knew someone's going to get some stick and he'll do something and we'd all laugh. He yeah. um, used to sit there with his cigar, walking around the change in the, on the training pitches, no shirt on, you know, Adidas Copers, cigar in his hand. <laughs> like we used to be in a leisure centre and uh, he pulled us in once. Went, I've just been told there's too much fucking swearing going on here. We've got to stop the fucking swearing. Well, as it's you. <laughs> yeah, people's nudity. Yeah, you're the one walking with your shirt off. 
There's, um, there's, footage, there's footage of Barnet playing away at Northampton years and years ago when we first got promoted to Football League and there's someone running around in no shirt and very short red shorts. I'm sure it was him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose talking about uh, quite a, uh, a character of a manager. I don't know, Ian, if that leads neatly into yeah, when, yeah, when you did sign for Barnet. Yeah, obviously, yeah. From Mark, you know, one of the few people who played for Barry Fry. Paul Fairclough later on, and obviously another big character in Martin Allen. Um, obviously signed for Barnet in 2003 at quite a significant time for the club in terms of a bit of an all-round turning point. We were you know, mid-table in the conference the year before. Everything had gone a little bit flat. Um, and obviously it was kind of almost starting from scratch with that team that Allen put together. Um, what was it like sort of signing for him at that first, that initial first meeting or first training session? How did it all kind of begin there? Uh he started back, I was at Bristol Rovers. Um, I had a two-year deal, but after the first year, I, I this is I can op- openly say this now, I went through a bit of a difficult time. I uh, hated football. Um, didn't want to play no more. was even contemplating going back to university to finish my degree. Uh, new career path. I just really fell out of love with it. Um, great club, Bristol Rovers. Not because of the club. Bristol Rovers was amazing. Massive club. Massive, massive club. Yeah. Um, I was away from home. Weren't allowed to go home half time. It was more like seven days a week. Got treated poorly. I knew they wanted me out. I had a year left. And I remember I was away on holiday and I was in the pool. Um, and my wife now, we weren't married at the time. She, she was calling me from the pool saying, like, your phone's ringing. And you know when your phone's ringing, you jump up straight away to check it just in case, you know, who it is. Um, and then uh, <laughs> I, missed, I, obviously, I obviously missed it. And it was um, it was Martin saying it was just a little grats. Martin here, Martin Allen Barnett, give me a call when you can. I thought, oh, all right. And I rang him, and he sold me the club. He sold me. I know you're not happy. I want to bring football back into your life. And you know what? I trusted him, and it's the best thing ever done. He he's the one manager of all the managers I've played for that when I was on that pitch, I thought I was the best in the world. How he did it, I don't know, but he just filled me with so much confidence. Um, so I think some other players might do the same. He, we used to do, we used to, he used to coach, but he never used to coach me. He just said, no, I can't coach you. You do what you do. I don't know what you do. You just tell him do what you're doing. Just <laughs> as if like, I was, he did. He said, especially do set pieces, oh, Gretz, no, you just do what you do. And it used to fill me with so much confidence. And to repay that, I knew I had to work hard and, you know, track back and tackle and, he just, he did. He just, I love football because of him. And I am so much for that. Um, yes, he was a character. But I tell you what, he really knows his stuff. Everyone thinks of Martin as, you know, the mad one, the mad dog. He's, listen, that's just a bravado, seriously. He knows his attention to detail, his coaching, his, the mental aspect that he puts into players. Listen, don't get me wrong. If he doesn't like you, he makes it known. Um, but if, if you're embedded into his ethos that he wants, wow, you do go on a fantastic journey. And he's proven that wherever he's, he's gone. And for that first sort of year with, with him, he always seems to do really well. And you've got to buy into what he, he wants. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, I think obviously you've got the, the squad of players we had that year. I think for all three of us, we talked on our previous episodes about that season was kind of very special, very significant. We were all at a certain age, sort of teenagers and really invested in it all. But... I think we, you know, we, we properly, like as fans, we loved that team because everything you said there, I think we kind of 
we saw that, that kind of he made players feel maybe better than they were. I think, you know, there were some individuals in that squad who perhaps weren't the greatest players, but you could see when they put on the Barnet shirt on the Saturday afternoon, they were, you know, yeah. giving it their all and, and probably some of them maybe overachieved a bit more than, than we might have expected. Um, I, think, I was going to say also, I don't remember an awful lot and you sitting on the other side of the white line might feel differently, but I, because of the way Martin was um, as a manager, I don't remember a lot of criticism of the players and the management or the club in the same way that maybe you get more normally because he had a way of kind of going, being very transparent, very open, but also if you don't like it, then you can go. That's, that's your that choice. Exact, but this is exactly what we're that. doing. Do you want to be part of it? That's exactly that. The one thing he said, remember all our training sessions was, you know, I remember once he said, has anyone won anything yet? And I think it was only Endo who'd, who'd won something. And he sort of said, and this has always sat with me, do you know how good it is if, when you win a league? Do you know that buzz? It's amazing to be a winner. And I thought there's only one person in this room who's ever won anything. And it was like Chris Plummer, Danny Man, you know, some big people in that chamber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always sat with me, but he embedded, like I said, the ethos of the club. He knew what we were as a club. We are a big club, Barnet, but there were some bigger clubs in that league at the time. We weren't on big money. If I tell you now the money I was on, you'd, you'd be surprised what I'd come for because, like I said, I hated football and I wanted to come back and enjoy it. And yeah, it was rubbish. Yeah, it got better because I'd done well, but at the time, it wasn't great. But one thing he brought into us was, you know, you mentioned about fans. There was no stick. Fans never gave you no stick. Why? Because he used to make sure when whatever game we went through that bar to go home and you stayed in the bar, you mingled with the fans and what that done, I've always said it to people, when you're having a bad time, and you do have bad times, you know, many a time you have bad games, but you know what? If the fans like you because they've seen you in the bar after and you've had a chat, they give you a bit of leeway. They know you're not doing it on purpose. No one plays bad on purpose, you know. Yeah. And he always, he always embedded into us, work hard. If the game's not going right for you, go back to basics, work hard. You know, defend, tackle, press. Fans, if fans see that, Sometimes, yeah, that pass goes wrong and that finish goes wide. But if they see that, and that's what that team did that year, them players in that team, that's what we had. We had, we had hard work. We worked for each other that year, definitely. And like you said, we did, we did over team. What we had in that score, we did. We, we talked about, um, in the last episode, again, we talked about that squad having some sort of, like, what I'm described here about a unity. And it certainly felt like there was a unity between the players on the pitch and the supporters off it. Like we talked yeah. about small, small things like even if we'd lost an away game, players would always make an effort to come over and applaud the, applaud the supporters yeah. off the game, even when there was like 50 of us or 100 of us or whatever it was. It felt like everyone was pulling in the same direction. And, um, you know, in contrast to the season before, where every, everything felt like it was sort of falling apart at the club a little bit, you know, it, it couldn't have been more different. So I think that that sort of, dragged the club along and obviously the start of the season went really well and, and it all just went from there, didn't it? He, um, it started in the pre-season. He brought everyone to his house. Oh, we were going to ask about this, so yeah. <laughs> Every player went to his house and I mean, he's like 20 of us and his house was amazing, by the way. But as soon as you rock up, you think, oh, this is nice. You're thinking, there ain't 20 bedrooms here. You know, <laughs> something's not right here. And that was first thing in the morning, um, dropped all our bags off in his hallway um, and there was breakfast laid out. For, no, sorry, we, we went for a run. We went for a run through the woods, these woods runs. We did a bit of pre-season running. Then we come back and there was breakfast laid out for us. Um, then we'd arrange golf. 
he'd arranged a golf date for us. So we all went and played golf. Then we come back and it was, he had drinks, he had beers, he had alcohol, and then he had some games. And we'd all sat this. We had Adrian Whitbread, the assistant manager, Damien Doyle, obviously the, the physio. And that's more or less all we had, but not really no, nothing else. Um, we played games to select who had the bedrooms and what beds you had. And, and I'll come last in some of these. I got cheated out of it. <laughs> um, I got cheated out. I ended up, I had to sleep in a hammock in the garden. Um, and I remember being out there for literally 10, 15 minutes. My fucking deer must have been about, I don't know. I'm not the bravest. I'm Italian. We're not brave. <laughs> Passed his hammock and I shit myself. <laughs> I was banging on that door like you wouldn't believe. You know, get me in. I slept on the floor, didn't care. But that built so much spirit. Just that, just doing that pre season day there, we all knew each other like you wouldn't believe. That, that squad, we went out most Wednesdays. You know, and I mean everybody, even Ishmael. You know, we, we took him to Brown, mm-hmm. Browns, in, Browns in Shoreditch. You know, this boy's got It's only a pound coin and a jug. <laughs> Even then, when they saw the girl walking past, they're still going to the toilet, not pay a pound. Are you tight? <laughs> but we did that most Wednesdays, and that's what it was amazing what that done for us. You know, and then we went away that summer as well on holiday to Mar- to Marbella. Most of the players went to that, and that was that was literally from Martin building that from day one. Yeah, with with that squad though, obviously as I say they were very like it sounds like very tight knit, and that was clear on the pitch. But in that year, we had loads of really short term players as well. Like uh, Peter Beadle was there for a few months, Lewis Hogg, Jeff Pitcher on loan. Yeah. Did did that? Did they integrate into the squad those kind of? Because obviously, like Beadle is one that I think we talked about a bit last Beadle. time. Like, I'm still I'll, st- I'll speak to Beadle twice a day still. Oh really? Me and him are tight. Yeah, he he, he didn't come because he obviously lived in Bristol. Yeah. Which obviously, and he only done, I think, two or three days a week training. But he was a great centre forward. He, he really led the line well. I like playing with, with Beads. Um, but I think the money he was looking for at the time just wasn't in our, in our bracket. Obviously, Bristol City had come from me. You know, they were League One. He was, it was a big money. Didn't he have his knee hanging off or something as well? He, could, he was no, sort of swinging worst, a couple of times a week. You know? <laughs> he's got the worst ankles in the world, glass ankles no. he has. He'd, <laughs> like, he'd walk down the aisle to get married, he'd left to ice his ankle. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, great lad. He brought so much spirit into that changing room as well. He fit in perfectly. Lewis Hogg done okay as well. Yeah. Christy come in, didn't he? Towards yeah. the end for a little while. Pitch, pitch, pitch was a good player. He done well. Uh, Fordy, the keeper. Yeah, yeah. He come as well. well, you know. So we had a great little team. We had Joey Gamble in midfield, a little tough yeah. little. He was a good little player. People like Biomass uh, even played a few times. Letter Jello, remember him? Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you like really? You know, but he did. He, he knew where to do. Mark Willow, Willow on the on the right and Strebs. The big, the big one was Achi. That was a big shock for us because Achi was one of the signings and he got a bad knee injury in the Arsenal game pre-season. Yeah. Um, and we were devastated with that because he, even the first games, first training sessions, he looked at a right hand full, and that was just his touch. Um, <laughs> but he did; he just looked like exactly what we needed, and then that, you know that bad injury, bless him, um, that set us back. But uh, yeah, good times, good times. That was that was, was that the Matt, Matt Redmar as well. Red, what in the centre half? Yeah, we did. Yeah, he was he was brilliant as well. Another player that we were saying last week, he doesn't. Um, 
we didn't concede many goals when he played. He, no. he was a, a great footballing centre-back. Big lad. Big, what, big lad. Whoever played with Plums, Plums was a good player. Yeah, we were talking yeah. about last time. We thought he was a bit of a step above, really. He, he, I still speak to Plums now. I, I, was, uh, I was his line manager for a period. He'd come to work with me. Because um, <laughs> he, he he, When we were playing football, he was doing his CMAP, his mortgages. He, like, we'd all be playing cards, but he'd be in his books. Um, right. That sort of person he is. He's, you know, he's articulate. He's like, what a player. Good professional, always drinking water, proper pro. Um, and he's gutted, I think, that he left, he left to go to Peterborough that year. He won the yeah. league. <laughs> he left after about three or four games, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and I tried to invite him back when we had our reunion last year. Um, but he didn't feel, it felt a bit awkward coming back because he obviously left. <clears throat> but he was a key, key figure in that change rooms. Massively. Real we, we, tried to, we tried to pull together sort of our combined you know favourite or best 11 if you like yeah. uh, and, and, and he made it straight in there in fact he was yeah. probably the, the obvious centre back choice because he, he might have only been there a year but um, he was head, I thought for a centre back at that level head and shoulders above that division he was, uh, he was not a surprise he went not a surprise he went great great lad as well um, and that's another thing we, I, I knew him because we were at Bristol Rovers together the year before he come on loan so it's weird how Barnett seems to attract people you know there's, that, there's always a link somewhere with people Always. One of the things biggest, I've, sorry. sorry. The biggest signing was Endo for me. Yeah, another yeah, one who made it into ours. We'd had him on loan the previous season, hadn't, hadn't we? And he was he was he was very good then. And it was <laughs> that was a big sort of uh, not a, well, it was a bit of a coup to pick him up, wasn't it? It was a bit of a yeah. coup to pick him up permanently. Same from Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, as Martin, you see, Martin done well with the players he brought in. We were, we were all at a stage in our careers where things weren't going to plan. We needed to re-energize and rejuvenate what we had. What we what we had, me, Endo, and Plums. We got pulled in. We were the first three signings I think that he made, Martin. And he sort of said to us, you know, I brought you in here. I don't want you in every day. You know, you, you're coming towards the end of careers, etc. You want to go and do something like plumbing or your your CMAT, Go and do it. One day a week, the Wednesday or the Thursday, give another day, do it. But we enjoyed training so much after about a week that we didn't do that no more. We trained every day. He brought that spark back to us. And I think you can see, you can see that in sort of the following, the couple of years after he'd come in, we all got, we all got a buzz of loving football again. And that was that as Martin. I'm sorry about it. He, he, had, he had that phrase. Um, I don't know if it, what it was like on, again, the other side of the, the coin on this one, but misfits and rejects was the the phrase he put out. We're, we're just a bunch of misfits and rejects. What what can anyone expect from us? Which was a sort of a classic Martin Allen play it down and uh, and, and and sort of manage expectations, which worked fantastically because obviously what it went on to do was was unbelievable. But did, was that something that you were conscious of on the other side, or was that just no? Sort of he, a thing um, for the, the, the yeah, media. That, that, oh, oh, got you. Yeah, you're all right. Yeah. That was that was more for the press. That sort of stuff was press related. Um, he knew what he had in that change rooms, and he used to use that to his advantage. There'd be times when he'd say, "Grats, I'm putting in the paper. You're injured Saturday, All right? Um, come in really early, go in the change rooms, so no one sees you, so the opposition don't see you. Put it all in the press." <laughs> and I remember poor Dennis Sydney used to hate it because Dennis used to hate lying because he was he was a press man, wasn't he, Dennis? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He used to yeah. hate it. He used to be so annoyed when we used to, I'd come out of the pitch and he'd go, you playing? Yeah. I thought you were injured. No. Martin <laughs> told me he hated it. He really did like lying to people. 
And we did that a lot. It was all mind games. It's like, do you remember we played Dagenham away? One of the first games, you see, we got battered about 5-2. Yeah, yeah, 5-2, I think we lost. But (laughs) before the game, we we tried to warm up on their half of the pitch. We put the the corner flag in the middle of the pitch and all that. It was all mind games. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely battered us. But it was, it was just, every time we played an FA Cup game, we'd have have to do something. We played five side in Marble Arch. Yeah. You know, we went, Rowing on the Thames, you know, he 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 always did something for us. Went to the theatre with either our partners or our mums, whatever. He just did things to build spirit, and he paid for a lot of that himself. Some of the time, yeah, I remember that that time. Obviously, it was a bit before like the internet being uh, things being like the the program was never so entertaining as at that time. You'd read his program notes every week, and it'd be like this week we trained at Marble Arch, or this week we did that. Like, yeah, it was. You didn't know what was going to come next, but from the other, from our side of things, it was fantastic. Like, it was so exciting, you know, the unpredictability of it all and not knowing what was going to happen next. But like, like I've always said, don't look at that as if he's a madman and he didn't have a clue. He, seriously, he's a very, very great, he's a great coach. I'm not just saying it because I still speak to him, but he is, he was a great coach, attention to detail. And I mean, not just players, I mean, even when you're his staff, you know, the coach journeys, times we're leaving, who's there, the, how we got to sit and eat dinner, who sits there, when we're having, I like, want oh, that chair there, I want that chair there. Everything is to the point. To the point. I suppose, I suppose from a more philosophical point of view, that's the difference between a manager and a leader. And he, he's a leader. He, he has all the leadership characteristics that you, you sort yeah. of expect. So. Yeah, um, agreed, totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, that kind of leads us on to... We were talking about all these happy memories of that season, but obviously then the, the bombshell drops in sort of middle of March that year where he gets the Brentford job. Um, I know for me, and I'll probably speak for the other two as well, that I can't describe how much it hurt at the time. Obviously, I was going to watch Barnet home and away, so I wasn't exactly uh, prolific with girls as a teenager. So I think that was my first heartbreak was Martin Allen. Ever since as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. It, it was, I just remember being absolutely gutted, I think, you know, that we'd, we'd built this whole thing that you say from our side of things that, you know, we, we'd, we'd really sort of invested in this team. We believed it, you know, we, we loved all these little stunts and whatever else and we were so in it and it came as such a shock. And that obviously as well came around a time where you'd had a brilliant first half of the season, you were scoring goals for fun and then the, the team as well, the results kind of stopped a little bit. And so what was that dip like kind of from the other side, like that, that sort of middle of the season spell where it had all been going so well and all of a sudden it seemed to go in the other direction and we lost the manager? It was, uh, I, I start back my dip and then we're going to Martin. In a dip, you know what, it's, as a striker, it's, you either go on a, a run of form where everything just goes in. You know, I could not touch the ball for a lot of my career for 89 minutes and then... <laughs> You know, it would just fall at me. Oh, you're not even eight. I'll be taken off by then. So say it's 59 minutes and it'll just land at my feet and it'd go in. So you, strikers are like that. You've just got to keep trying to get in the right areas. And then all of a sudden you go through a spell where you don't score for two and then all of a sudden you start snatching at things and you don't make that same run because you're trying even harder. Um, I think three games or four games, I can't remember, I went a lot of games. I remember that. And it got to the point where Paul was the manager at the time, one of his first games, and I asked to be dropped. I asked Paul to drop me. I said, Paul, I'm not, um, give someone a chance because I'm not delivering. And he went, no, 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 you're going to score. And he got me some help. I went and saw uh, uh, one of Paul's friends who's, who's very 
you know, high in psychology of the game. And I, I used it when I was at Stevenage, the Newcastle game. And I did some work with him. And then literally the very next game was the uh, Lee, Lee RMI. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. They, got the, they got us into the playoffs. And that, I've never felt so much euphoria. Than There's that a great moment. photo, Gratz, uh, of you. It's when the ball's just gone in the net, turning towards the family stand. It's a quality picture. Yeah, yeah you can see the relief. Just falling off Literally, you. That was, um, I, can't, I can't explain that relief because there was a lot of pressure on me to score goals and everyone had been so nice. Paul was great. The players, no, the players never put no pressure on me at all either. There was none of that. Fans were great. I never know issues from fans either. Um, and I think it was the fact that I asked to be dropped. And it showed my lack of confidence that I had. And Paul just sort of rebuilt that for me. He said, no, go and, go and speak to some people. It's going to come. It's going to happen. I remember one time we played a game as well and the ball came front across six-yard box. I'm literally about two yards out and I thought, this is it, I've got it. And it's come off my toe and gone wide. And I thought, seriously, that's the moment that I thought, that's it, I can't, I can't play them. But then you get something like that, Lee RMI, and that was just, oh, the feeling was fantastic. Seriously, a real, real buzz. Um, but like, uh, going back to Martin leaving, that was, that was devastating. The night before he'd rang me, um, I remember being indoors late at night. It was about ten o'clock. He rang me to say, "Grats, I've been um, I've been tapped up by Brentford. Uh, I'm going to go. The deal's really good. It's a great opportunity for me." And I was went, "Listen, I'm gutted, but you've got football such a short career. When uh, I don't think enough players or managers move on when when they're on when they're on fire, they leave it probably too long. Yes, fans go mad, but you're still one day closer to getting the sack." You know, so when these opportunities come, and Brentford were a big club, um, but we were, we were dev- there was a real big, we were devastated. Staff, the players, fans, they, it really did, we, we dropped big time. And no matter what he tried to do, you know, don't worry, we'll be fine. You don't, he just had this way of bringing us all as one, and it gone, and it sort of devastated everybody, really. It was a really weird situation because um, I think, Ian, you probably explained it quite well, but. It was one of those things that it was upsetting, but you couldn't hate him for it. There was, there was sort of, you, you, you missed him more than you, uh, you, you hated that he'd done it, if you know what I mean. It was a, he felt like, because he brought everyone together, we felt like we were all in it together. And it was yeah. that kind of, oh, maybe we're not, uh, moment that was hard. Not the, you know, you understand why people go on and do what they've got to do, and that's fair enough, as you say, football's a I short career. But I, think, I think I agree with that with the benefit of hindsight. Um, you can certainly look at it now and go, yeah, football is a short game and, you know, people have got to take the opportunities when they can. But at the time, yeah. as, a, as someone who was fully 110% invested in watching Barnet week in, week out, mm-hmm. it just felt like, like Ian described it, like absolute heartbreak. And it, it, you know, I, I really disliked Martin Allen for quite a long time. <laughs> Despite what he'd done yeah. for the club in that previous sort of nine ten months yeah. um, and earlier considering he'd been a coach before it just like it just felt like a betrayal but yeah. actually like the, the sort of you know Paul Fairclough came in and you know sort of steadied the ship a little bit and I think actually the sort of the unity and the spirit of the supporters that season sort of managed to carry on I remember we played correct me if I'm wrong we played Chester the game after that we played, yeah, we yeah. played and they, and they yeah, were yeah. top of the league that, that year and we drew nil nil with them at home, and there was a real sense of nah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna stick with this, and we're gonna see this through, and we're gonna yeah. make the playoffs, and all this sort of stuff. Um, 
and I, and I, I sort of think that that sort of spilt onto the pitch a little bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, when it, when it, it was... got round to the playoffs, I was going to say, like, obviously we finished the season pretty stop start. Obviously we kind of, we got there in the end, we beat Lee Aramar on the last day. We drew the North, which I think the week before we'd kind of stumbled our way into it. Obviously Hendon got that late penalty against Burton in the running as well. Yeah. Yeah. What, wow. Was was there that belief that we were gonna that we had the chance or had the momentum kind of gone with everything that had passed? No, to to be fair to Paul, um I worked with Paul numerous, you know, times that we met at Stevenage and I knew he was a real he he played a lot, he, he used the mental side of the game a lot. Um and I knew how good he was. The others didn't. The other players wouldn't have known what he was like unless they worked England C, but I knew how good he was. Um and I thought it was a great acquisition for the football club you know England C manager um, you know he got Stevenage up but didn't go up um, obviously with a big thing with Stevenage in Newcastle so I knew how good he was um, and he just like he did when I was at Stevenage he, he gave us all belief again we two different characters Martin and Paul two massive different characters great great at what they do but totally different um, Paul was before the call you know, we had a lot more classroom meetings, as if he pulled the teacher. So we we sat down a lot in change rooms and classroom and, and and rooms and just discussed our fears. Um, it was all done on on you know flip charts and stuff. It, it was like being in school. But what that did is it, it alleviated all the pressures that we had that we thought we had. So we were going into games going, we've got nothing to lose. We're in the playoffs. We've got a great chance. You know, we're only two games away from getting in the final. So he he although we we, we missed out. We gave it a decent shot. You know, Shrewsbury had a bigger budget than we ever had. You know, there's some you know big players with big money. Um, and it, unfortunately, we just missed out on the penalties at the end. It's one of those ones where we, I think we talked about it before and um, we didn't actually concede an open play against them over two legs. Oh. It somehow seemed to go out. It was, um, and Shane, we've talked as well, Shane Gore in that game at Shrewsbury. I don't know if you remember that. The, the performance of him that day was... I mean, I don't think I've seen a better... Yeah, I, I always say I think the two best goalkeeping performances I've ever seen in any at any level of both being at Shrewsbury. And one was Joe Hart playing for Shrewsbury and one was Shane Gore playing for us against them. But um, yeah, unbelievable that day. Gutting as well. Absolutely devastating. Yeah, uh, cry on the telly. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> that obviously, that leads us into obviously the following season, 0405, which like, we there's so much we could talk about with that um, I suppose the easiest way to kind of phrase a question about this is what made it go so right what 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 changed or added to what we had already that made that year what it was I think, um, I'm not going to take that away from Paul but you had Endo um, Strevs myself Plums um, you had a core of players already that knew what was expected of football club knew what it meant to the fans and what Paul was, was great on because he'd only been there two or three four games whatever it was he realised where where we were missing you know they were reliant on my goals that first year because it showed when I didn't when I got in when I went for the Baron spell we didn't win many games so we had to reinforce and get more goals in the team and yeah we changed shape we changed shape we changed personnel but you got players in that had goals in them um, Dean Sinclair, Nicky Bailey, Streven scored more goals, Richie Graham, Achi, Endo scored about six, seven penalties, Kingy scored. You know, it was, we had goals in the team. You know, um, and uh, uh, the football we played that year was, it wasn't conference football, it was, that was proper football we played. 
but he started from day one in pre-season that year. Um, like most players, in the off-season, you go for your five-mile runs because you think that's what you're going to do. That's what pre-season does. Long runs and stamina and working hard. And I remember pre-season was like, it was so strange. Different stretching exercises, different movements. I think the longest run we'd done was 45 seconds. You know, it was just like, this is unbelievable. It was so football-specific. We were doing things that teams were doing five years later. Paul had obviously gone away in that period where he, he, he left and went and worked with Wenger and travelled the globe and um, watched coaching sessions. And he brought it to us. And seriously, we, we used to warm up before games. And you could see the opposition watching us because we were doing all these dynamic movements, which everyone does now. But at the time, the, the normal warm-up was run to that corner, have a straight, run to that corner, have a straight, <laughs> yeah. and, and you're done. But we had this set routine and you could see people look at us and look at them, look how stupid they look. In, in fact, one of the stretches I did, I think it was Jeff and Keith, did that song. Because the music, remember? Do you remember? Yeah. And because <laughs> that was some of the stuff we were doing early on. And like, no one had ever seen that stuff before. <laughs> We've never been. Me and people like me, Endo and Pums and Danny Maddox, we'd been there football for years. We've never done. We, first time Paul made us do it, we're laughing. Look at what is he doing? This geezer's lost his rat. He's nuts. <laughs> Martin was mad. This fella's gone cuckoo. <laughs> Where's he been going? He thinks we're like from Rio de Janeiro, Brazilian squads doing, you know, like uh, carnival dances because it was just crazy. But you know what? It was so good. The training was so good. And the one thing I must say, Paul did it on his own. He had no assistant. Yeah. He had no assistant. Paul used to get there really early. Set the pit. Remember, we trained at first in Dog Shit Park as well. Yeah. We had no proper training round. We were on Dog Shit Park. So if people were their dogs, we were doing our, our doggies away from the dog shit. <laughs> um, but again, we trained there because Martin embedded that into us. Doesn't matter where you train, you work hard and, you know, this is what we got. This is who we are. Um, and we, we trained with medicine balls. He got parachute runs we did. It was just stuff we've never done before. And I think I said it in the press the other day, I wish I'd met Paul 15 years earlier because psychologically as well, he got you in a, in a good place. Uh, physically, he got you in a good place. Um, I just wish I had that knowledge, say, 15 years ago when I first started out. And all those players who were young at the time, I'm sure they used a lot of his input in their careers because he had an effect, for sure. 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 It's quite interesting, actually, you say about, like, you had that immediate sort of impact from the start of the season and also about the point about um, how they became less reliant on your goals because yeah. I remember the, the first few months of that season, we were smashing teams out of sight. We were beating teams left, right and centre. We were scoring three or four goals a game. And then there was two games in particular that I remember where you didn't play. And they were both games. Exeter and Carlisle. Dagenham was in the middle, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, where we, well, I mean, if you include the Dagenham game, we, we won 3 0 at Exeter, where you didn't play. Yeah. 5 0 at home to Dagenham on the telly, you yeah. didn't play. And then the 3 1 game at Carlisle again, where you didn't yeah. play. So you know, we had goals all over the pitch. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it just showed that the additions that Paul made in, you know, Dean Sinclair, Nicky Bailey, uh, and a few yeah. others, like Richard Graham as well. Yeah. It really sort of added that what we needed to the squad from that point onwards. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously that those those couple of months where we were, it felt like winning comfortably every week were incredible to to watch from the terraces. Like it, it was, you know, a bit surreal almost that all of a sudden it was all it looked so easy. Um, and I know there was a lot of talk from our side of, you know, what if we stay top all season, all that sort of thing. And obviously we did stay top from the end of August right the way through. I just wonder, like in terms of in the squad, how early did was there kind of talk of the title, or how early did the, the players feel? it was going to be special. They were going to do it. Um, we knew what we had in the change rooms. Remember, pre-season, we were shocking. You know, we yeah. got battered by Arsenal. <laughs> um, you know, I think we scored first. I think Richie Graham scored first. Yeah. Yeah, and we got battered 10-1. I remember one, I used to line up the wall for the keeper. I used to go, where, the, where so it was Dennis Burkan taking a free kick. I remember standing there, <laughs> left a bit to the keeper for the wall. <laughs> and he spanked it top corner. You know, what's the point? What's the point? Um, and we did. We didn't play well. I think we played away at Boreham Wood, and they kicked us all game. And I mean, they battered us. And if I'm brutally honest, I didn't think we'd do well. I didn't think we'd do that well in pre from pre-season. Um, I remember there was an article in the Barnet Times as well. I think where I think one of the reporters put Grat said one season, one day, he won't do it again. It's time for him to stand up and be counted. <laughs> um, and I remember that really hurt. And I thought you. Wanker, whoever that was. Um, I, I, I wanted to prove something. Um, I think it's Forest Green at home. I think we played first. Yeah. Three one. I think we a goal down and all. Um, but the game, the first game, I think Halifax was a big, big moment. Yeah, massively. Uh, not because, yeah, we won three two, and that that half time um, just showed me what characters we had in the change rooms. You know, Paul didn't say a word until we walked out. He left us. And this is what I said about Endo being the person he was. He, he was the leader. And him, Plums, myself, Strebs, we went mental. It, it was just, you could really see we cared. And that's why I think Paul just left us to it because he realised these boys care. You know, we were 2-0 down. And I think the incident where Achi stayed in the penalty area instead of pushing up <laughs> was the catalyst. We we uh, we worked on something on the Friday, day before train, the day before the match, and we worked on. We're gonna as soon as they walk, run up to take the free kick, we got to squeeze up. But if Endo shouts at an even number, yeah, we're, we're pushing up. If he shouts at an odd number, we're staying. <laughs> so we all know that we worked in all Friday. I mean, we must have done it fifty times. So Endo's going, "Who's got a six? Who's got a six? Who's got a six? So we know we're pushing up. And literally, fucking all the people. <laughs> oh, do you hear nothing? Oh, do you hear it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and that, that caused part of the argument in the change room. It's fucking hell, you know. And Paul got a bit of stick because we said we worked in it just one day before the game. We should work in it all week. You know, there's all that going on, finger pointing. Um, and I remember Paul's lasting words we left saying that someone today is going gonna, is gonna to have a comeback. Yeah, let that be you. I mean, we're out there just unbelievable. And that really... Just to interject with that, obviously, a few I was there and a few others, I think, as well, that at half-time, that's the only time in that whole season where it got a bit nasty on the terrace between our own fans. I remember big arguments at half-time. Some people saying that, you know, this season we're going to be in a relegation battle. This is awful. And it, and it had been a really poor first half. I remember two of the boys that we're quite friendly with went to the pub uh, and missed yeah, the second Keith, half. Which, Keith Stowe left. <laughs> yeah, well, if we're going to do names, Keith, Tony, Ross, a few, and a few more, I think, as well. 
Miss, yeah. Missed out on it all. Um, name and shame them. Name and shame them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, and it and it felt like, yeah, as you say, what a massive turning point because obviously the second half was was amazing and obviously the goal and everything else. But yeah, from our side as well, that half time felt pretty big. I think on the terrace as well in the changing room. Yeah, that was that. That was the game where we knew we had characters. We again skewed the language. We knew we had a bit of grunt, a bit of bollocks about us. We knew we had goals in the team. We knew we had good players. Did we have the heart like we had the season before? And it's sort of probably the new players that came in, come in realised that, oh, actually, this is what we've got to do. You know, this is where we've come into it. That's the ethos of the club. Yeah, we're good players for goals. But I think that taught them nice and early that, hey, plan A is working hard and being hard to beat. The rest will come. Um, but that, that, that was a, a big turning point for us. People talk about the Candy Island away. Yeah. The game for me when I, I was crawling away for me, yeah. um, only because I'd come off about 10 minutes to go. I remember sitting there going, we're so good. You know, we're just yeah. so good. And Crawley were a decent side that year. And I just thought, we're just too good. We're just so good. Look, we've got energy. We were so fit, everyone. We had pace. We had strength. We had power. Beautiful football. Hard work. And, and that was the one game I sat there going, this is it. This is we've got something here. We've got something here. Yeah, all, all three we were of the fantastic. Goals, the Dean Sinclair goal as well. Sorry, Craig. Go on. Was that? I was saying we were fantastic. And the Dean Sinclair goal um, was kind of the one that it just all sort of everything yeah. culminated in that. It just was that was a moment where you went, yeah, as you say, we've got a real chance here. This is this isn't yeah. this isn't temporary. This is a real thing. This was proper. And I think the other game for me was Stevenage New Year's Day. I think it was. Um, Graham Wesley was his usual self before the game saying he's going to beat us he's going to catch us yeah they, they were on a good run they had a good team to be fair Stephen is that year um, and we had players that were no endo um, I think Tom Champion played at the back with Ishmael with no Kingy yeah you know we had a lot of players out I think we had Guy Lopez in midfield Damien Bat was right back me and Lee Roach were up front because there's no Hatchie um, and that was the game New Year's Day I remember and we went and beat them 2-1 and that, again, that showed that those people like Roach, people don't think about what Lee Roach done for Barnet. It was unbelievable. Some of the, you know, he kept us in games sometimes. Um, but that was the game that, because if they beat us, it would have put a little bit of pressure on. We were still far ahead, but, you know, you know, he's like Wesley. Um, but that game, and I was captain that day. I felt so proud that I was captain. And to beat Stevenage. And this, you know, when people say about celebrating against your, your old teams. I'd always celebrate it for male teams because the stick Stevenage fans gave me, Yeah. hold on a minute, <laughs> why can't I celebrate? You've been calling me all sorts all game and, you know, I'm going to run away and celebrate like I've just won the league. So that, that was a big turning point. Again, Stevenage uh, at home, the big game. That rivalry um, with Stevenage was quite a big thing, I think, for Barnet fans around then. Um, I, don't, I think it was a relatively new rivalry because of st- where Stevenage had come from and where they got to. As players, did you feel that, or was it just another game? No, no, you you felt it because that people like Dino Marmaria, remember him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that was interesting. That game, that first year with Martin, when it all kicked off. Yeah. Um, that's the year I broke Lionel Perez's leg. Oh yeah, it was awful. Yeah. That, one. that was that was that, that that was the game. That was uh, that was awful. That was one of my boys' games in football, uh, just because of that moment. Um, but there was rivalry, and that was because Wesley stirred it up a lot. You know, he loved that, Wesley. Um, you know, they, they were, they, 
they were nowhere near what Barnet were. They were coming up strong and they'd won leads and they had a bigger budget than us. They had massive budgets, the image, compared to what we were on. Um, and we could sense it with the fans. And then you got players like Dino Marmaria who really used to wind people up. Yeah. And I remember Endo just put him in his place, <laughs> you know, firmly. You know, um, but yeah, I think that they, they beat us at their place, didn't they? No, no, we beat them at their place, 2-1, didn't we? No, that was the Allen year. The year that we lost the Allen year, the year after they beat us, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, no, Stephen's always a big game. Always a big game. Um, okay, so obviously just to finish off that incredible season, obviously there was the uh, goal against Carlisle after we won the league, I think a lot of people remember, but I want to kind of get your insight into the uh, the game against Halifax where we actually won the title. Um, you know, lots of good memories for us. What 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 are your memories of that day? Um, it was it was it was meant to happen. You know, we played Northwich the week before, where we could have won the league, and we were we were awful that day. We got beat two 0 I think two 0 or two one. Um, so to win it at home, I think it was it was written in the stars to come back. But even then, against I think we went a goal down, didn't we? Yeah. Um, in Halifax game, I think Scott Tynan went down in instalments. He was shot. Um, and then, you know, and I'll tell, I'll tell you what, when when I scored to make it 3-1, I went back in my head to what Martin said two years previous about being a winner. I've never won anything in my career. Seriously, nothing. Um, and it, it meant so much. And what he said, it really hit home because there was no better feeling. 3-1 with about 10 minutes to go. You think you'd, you mean, you knew you'd done it. It was just, oh. Uh, like I said, my first ever to be a winner and to be so influential in winning it, not just a part player. You know, we only had a small squad that year, really small squad. And that's testament to what Paul done as well. You know, he didn't go out to the loan market and get loads of players in. We didn't. He worked with what he had. Um, and to win it, and Strev scored, King Eagle, we were to travelling together, the three of us as well. So your car school, again, we're close mates. Um, it was just the best feeling. Um, I remember, I remember jumping on Kevin Mullen. Uh, <laughs> it was just great, you know. It's a great, great day. Fantastic day. Never forget those days. <clears throat> I, 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 I never forget the evening either. The, the, that, that, uh, <laughs> the evening in the Weaver. Do you remember? I remember. I remember. First, we had, we had to stay in in the uh, Durham suite upstairs for a little bit. And then I think we got a text from some of the boys who said, right, um, we're all in the Weaver. So I remember walking into it. I remember Darnish. Remember Darnish? <laughs> Darnish with the, his tie around his head. And it was just, Paul was in there. It was just, then we went over to the Queens for a little bit and realised, yeah, we go back to the Weaver. Um, <laughs> it was just, it. and then we went off up to, was it Batchwoods, I think it was? In Boreham Wood. It was just, Great, great day. You know, days you wish could last, a night that you wish could last forever because it was just fantastic, fantastic days. Does it, does, it make, does it make it any better that it's um, close to where you grew up or, where, you know, where you're from? Or does that not really play bearing on something like that? No, no. People laugh at me, but I was doing it in front of my family and friends every Saturday. You know, so whether, you know, all my career I've been away from home playing for teams. But this was the one club where I'm home. Um, 
and it just mean meant so much more. Um, my sister's so superstitious. She used to do her nails every Saturday during Tucker Saturday. Um, <laughs> I'm a very superstitious person myself, but and I, I went on a run scoring goals. So she just do her nails every week until I didn't score, and then she'd do another routine. So it, it meant a lot to everybody. Um, yeah, and it's just. It's your home, isn't it? It's, it's, it's your boiled club. It's your area you're from. Did you, know, you we find around, Did you find around that time, um, it's, it's a bit of a strange one, obviously, because being a Barnet player, obviously, you're known in terms of the 2,000 or whatever that go every week. Um, but, you know, within like that, the, the North London area, even a bit wider, being that kind of a bit, a bit more of a sort of local celebrity, because I know as a fan, everyone I knew who supported other clubs all knew your name at that time because on the Sky Sports thing at the side, You'd have the top yeah. scorers, and for about two years, you were always the top one in the in the conference. Like, what did did it kind of bring with it a bit more status? Did you find yourself in the shop, kind of getting recognised more? What was it like at that sort of time? I tell you what, I remember the first time was I was in Spain, and I was in a supermarket, and I remember going past the trolley, and I had my young daughter at the time, and uh, I remember going past a, a family, uh, and he went, Grazioli. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you've got promoted. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was just like, well, that was the sort of really first time. Yeah, you get it in Barnet a lot and in the high street. I had a, I had a funny incident this year, uh, this year, in fact, where I go to a, a, bar, uh, a barber's in Barnet High Street. Like, I've been in Ghana for years. I remember sitting down on the chair and uh, sat down. I've got the mirror in front of me. And the fella getting his hair next to me has caught my eye. And he sort of like, like nodded his head in acknowledgement. So I just like nodded back. And I could see him gesturing to a woman who was sat in the chairs waiting and as if to say, like, look who it is, you know, look who it is. I think, oh, he's recognised me, he must be a Barnet fan. And I remember leaving the barbers. And as, as I've come out, he's there with his mum or his auntie and he's got a pad. He's going, excuse me, do you mind if I have an autograph and a selfie? I mean, yeah, of course, no problem. So um, I've had the selfie, got his pad, what's your name? And as I'm writing my name and best wishes, I've gone, so you're a big Barnet fan? He went, nah. I went, oh, all right so who do you support? Oh, I don't like football. I don't like How do you know I was then? I watch you on TV every week. Pardon? He says, yeah, I watch you on TV. I think you're a great actor. <laughs> I said, I think, you've, I think you've got me mistaken. I went, he went, no, no, it's definitely you. You even sound like him. I went, no, no, seriously, it's not me. He said the name of the show. I can't remember the name of the show. And then his, his woman, his, this woman, his, this lady's auntie, his mum, whatever, went there. Uh, are you, are you always this rude? I went, I don't, and I'm not rude to people. I've never been rude to anybody who stopped in the street ever. Um, I said, what do you mean? She went, well, yeah, he wants to speak to you. I went, I oh, know, I'm talking, but he thinks I'm somebody else. Well, it is you. We know it's you. Went, it's not me, I promise you. She went, why did you have a selfie done with him and sign his book? I went, because I've, I, he thinks I'm somebody else. But who are you then? Why have you done that if you're not him? I went, no, no, I'm not the actor. I'm, I was in the area. I'm, I was a footballer back in the day. No, you're not. I don't believe you. It's definitely you. I went, I promise you, it's not. I'm going to show the picture who they think I am. Rufus Jones. I had to get my driving license out to prove that it wasn't me. But that was the one time. You know you can have to get recognised in the street. If I go through the spies, there's always someone there who recognises you and just nods and stuff. But that was the one time I thought he really did think I, I was Gratz, but no, no, we just don't. 
is it is it odd is it odd having this kind of um it's like a weird type of celebrity because to certain people you are you know a hero and 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 you're they feel like they probably know you because of all the games I've seen you play and whatever else. And then there must be other times where, you know, you're just a, a regular guy in the street doing your thing. You must get, is it, are you conscious of that or is that just a, that's life? Um, when I meet people, especially through work, as soon as they see my name, you look, you can always tell the football fan, they look at your, your business card and they go, is that, is that, is that you? Did you pay Steve and you know, and I, you know, yeah. So work wise, you get it a lot when they see the name. The only one time was when I was used to do the school runs uh, in Barnet. And I remember one of the dads, we got chatting one day and I was there with my daughter going to school and I had the twins in the pram. And he went to me, um, so what do you do then? And I, I said, oh, you know, coaching at Barnet. All oh, right, is that what you've done all the time? I said, no, I used to be a footballer. And he went, well, what's your name? So I went, Graziano. He went, oh, yeah. And I thought, here we go, Stevenage. Because everyone says Stevenage. Newcastle. Yeah. No, he went, no, nah, championship manager. I used to buy <laughs> so uh, I've always got that one. It's always Championship or Stevens, but very rarely, very rarely Barnet every time. But more the Stevens thing, really. Okay, right. So obviously, yeah, promotion to the Football League in 2005, and then we had that kind of. I mean, 2005, just dreamland because we won the league in April, and in October we were playing at Old Trafford in the uh, Carling Cup third round. Uh, we started that season really well as well. Obviously, you scored a couple of goals. Carlisle away in a 3-1 win. Brilliant little chip against Plymouth in the round of the League Cup to get us through to play Man United. Um, but we talked a little bit in the last episode about the, uh, not the actual game itself, the the draw and, and that moment. And obviously, we all remember where we were. Um, did the players watch the draw together? Like, what was what was the moment like when we found out we had that draw away at Old Trafford? No, it, 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 we, we weren't all together at the time, but I remember all the texts coming through. <laughs> um, it's your dream, isn't it? You know, Man United away. My God, team up Barnet. It was, uh, and what's so so special was it? It's my hundredth game for Barnet. Was at Old Trafford. Oh wow! Um, so that was a, a big moment. And unfortunately, we worked so hard for those two weeks. Even we were awful in the league leading up to it. I think everyone didn't want to get injured because they wanted to play. Um, and we worked so hard on a shape, and this is what we do. And literally, you know, Ross Flitney after two minutes was it something like that 90 seconds I can't remember yeah, yeah. just killed the, the game plan but we had a great time you know we had a great time it was a what a moment I mean I've still got video for, I, I bought the old video camera at the time on the coach and going to the ground and stuff um, and I've still got that it's quite funny to, to watch you know this is walking on the, on, on the, on the field I mean we've done alright with 10 men I think we've done okay alright it wasn't there maybe yeah. United team Great, but I've got a great picture where my kids think I'm a hero because I'm being marked by Jared Piquet. Um, <laughs> yeah. Back then, he was a nobody. Um, but now my kids think I'm, a, I'm an absolute legend because I played against him. And he's a Spanish suitly the hero and, you know, Barcelona. But at the time, you know, it was nothing. But, uh, but yeah, great, great day. Great, that was a great night. It almost feels like a shame to mention it, but there was, of course, the moment where there was a goal that was a legitimately scored goal by yourself. It was onside, James. It was onside, it? It, was yeah. onside. it was onside. It was onside. Where were uh, you it, it, it was on Man United TV, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And it's there's no replays of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that was, that was, we were one nil down at the time. I think that made, us, made it my mum, wasn't it? I think we were, we were two yeah. Down. Uh, 
Um, like that referee, the referee that they, I think Richard Beebe, I think was his name. And uh, I won't ask you for thoughts on him because it wouldn't be fair. But I do remember that, um, I'm trying to think how much I can say here. He uh, he was an official at the FA, I think, and uh, his phone number was available. No, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> there was a period of time where, again, without naming names, and certainly not in any way implicating anyone on this on this call, where after a good night out on a Saturday night, it was quite good fun to give him a call. And typically, uh, you'd get his, I say you, I don't know who it'd be, that you, it, I, I hear anecdotally that you would get his answer phone and uh, you could leave a message. But I do remember a story about one night where he picked up and it was quite late. And, uh, you know, hello, it's Richard Beebe here, who's that? And uh, the people on the other end went, oh, it's just a couple of Barnet fans seeing how you are. And he went, oh, piss off. No. <laughs> which I always thought, which it didn't quite make up for what he did to Ross Whitney's career. But, uh, I, you know, at the same time, it was well, uh, he, he got uh, one back on him. If he didn't lose sleep at the time, he lost a little bit of sleep afterwards, I think. <laughs> yeah. oh, I felt sorry for Ross Whitney as well, because he... He actually started that season pretty well. And um, he, I thought he, he looked like, I think he was he number two to Edwin van der Sar at Fulham. I think he was, he was certainly part of that. Yeah, he was, that he was in the, the Fulham setup, should we say. Whether he would have played if van der Sar got injured, I'm not sure. But, you know, if he was number two to van der you won't come, no disrespect to Barnett. But, no, yeah, yeah, no, it's fair. You know, so um, I don't know how, far, how close he was, but he, he, you know, he definitely was at Fulham. and He, he had a lot of attributes, Ross. He did have a lot of attributes. But it never quite worked out after that moment, really. No. Yeah, well, and actually, I mean, that moment in terms of the whole season, like you said, the, the, the run-up to the United game, we had a few really poor results. Um, and after a good start, we did kind of gradually go down the table. But I think everyone was pretty relaxed about it until maybe a month or so after United where things weren't turning around. Um, why do you think it went so wrong that year after such a good start? Was there anything that was happening, you know, a way that we didn't see as fans. There was rumours about certain discontent between players and stuff. No, no, it wasn't. There was nothing like that. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what um, me personally, we uh, we changed the shape of the team. A lot a lot of clubs that are successful, they get promoted, usually keep the same sort of core set up and what worked for them. Uh, unfortunately, I think Chelsea won the league that year with Drogba playing down the middle. Yeah. So the first team that went, away from the 4-4-2 and went to like a 4-3-3 with one big central striker and I remember pre-season the first pre-season game we uh, we went 4-3-3 with me as the lone striker and listen you know you know what sort of player I was you know that's never going to be me I'm, I'm heavily reliant on service I work well with a big man um, and it just didn't fit my me personally it, it, what it did do though it allowed Paul to play Dwayne Dino and Nicky Bailey as a free midfield um, and listen they're three great players you know and it worked well for them but me on a personal note it just wasn't um, wasn't my cup of tea so my, sorry my, 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 so my recollection of that is that 4-3-3 tended to look a lot more like 4-5-1 and it, yeah. it's left you a little bit stranded a lot well I felt a lot of the time which um, it, it turned from what had been a very attacking style yeah. in, the, in the year we went up to what felt a bit more negative uh, the I agree. After. I agree. Well, you look at what Carlisle did the following year when they got promoted. They got they kicked on again and got promoted again to League One. And mm. I think we honestly could have done that if we kept what we had and maybe added a few more additions. But when you've got players like Nicky Bailey, Dino, and Dwayne, you can see why you wanted to facilitate the three of them. Because you know 
they're three great players. But I think it just, like, as you say, I think it took away our, our attacking threat. Like Richie Graham never really kicked on like he did that year either, where he was such a threat at 4-4-2, playing wide left as a three. It just didn't seem to work. He was doing more defensive work. Um, so, yeah, I just, think, I just think Shape maybe had played a bit of it. Uh, yeah, I can't. There was, there was no really problems in changing and stuff like that. It, it, that wouldn't have been allowed. People like Endo didn't allow that sort of stuff. He got <laughs> sorted out pretty quickly. You know, it, it did. You know, there was a few players that had a bit content. Yeah, let's get on with it and then we'll go back and we'll train hard. So, no, it was never nothing really like that. Not at all. Okay. Um, well, so obviously you were at the club for another two seasons after that first year in the Football League, but injuries and things like that, sort of playing time was, was less. So we're going to skip on ahead a bit to uh, 2011 now. Um, where you were obviously instrumental in pulling off, as it was called at the time, the Gratz escape, uh, the greatest escape <laughs> some might also go for, um, where obviously you managed the team uh, for a short period and kept us up in the Football League. Uh, obviously, that whole process started in March, where after a couple of different managers been in for the season, Martin Allen came back for his second spell. Um, and it was announced, Stroway, you'd been appointed as assistant manager when you were working as a community officer, I think, with the club at the time. Um, what happened again? I suppose I've asked it about playing for the club, but in terms of being on his coaching staff, how what was that original call for Martin Allen, and how did it I go? It was March the twenty fourth. It was seven o'clock in the morning. Um, I only know that because it was the, literally my birthday is the twenty third, so I knew it was the following day. And I had seven missed calls by seven o'clock in the morning. My phone was was on silent, luckily, and Martin had <laughs> rang me seven times. And I thought, what? She won, you know. Um, and literally got the message, Gratz, give me a call as quick as you can. And I remember I rang him and said, Gratz, what are you doing with yourself? I said, I'm working in the community. What? What are you doing? Blowing up balloons for the kids' parties. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, actually, I'm doing coaching and, you know, I'm doing a little <laughs> bit more of that. But in his eyes, I was clown, yeah? Um, <laughs> in um, and he said, right, I want you with me. Just the manager. Come down to Hive uh, now. I went, well, I've got a job. I'm not really going to work. I've got to speak to them first. Yeah, but Tony said it's okay. Yeah, but I've still got to speak to, like, it was Janet at the time, you know, who'd been so good to me. So I remember rang Janet. I said, Janet, Martin's just called me. He wants me to be his assistant manager. Are you okay? Tony's agreed. She went, oh, cool, 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 go. And I remember turning up, um, and he pulled me in his office, and Gretz, we're going right back to basics. Um, we're going to keep this, and, and he knew then, we're going to keep this team up. He said, uh, something's not right here. I've, I've, I've spoke to them all. I've, I've found out exactly what they didn't like about the club. We've got them all to write on a bit of paper what they liked, what they didn't like, and we're gonna we're gonna do it. So you do the coach, you do like the warms up, and 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 a bit of coaching, and I'll do the team stuff. And seriously, from day one, it was just like wow, you know the impact he had. And I'd worked with him before, so I knew what it was like. But he was just it was great to be closer to him, to understand him more of how he did things. As a player, you're there on the training ground, but when you're actually in the office with him and the hours he works and the, the effort he puts in watching videos and how the opposition play, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I think it was our first game 2 2. Yeah, Chesterfield. Chesterfield. And Sam Deering scored that, that goal. Yeah. And there was a real, I remember we're all in change. He's very, how can I put it with Martin? He's a stickler for, he likes it his way. So if you're in a dugout, you say sitting down. I was assistant manager and I weren't really allowed to stand up and shout or anything. We wanted to sit down. And I remember we, we got to 2-2 and we were 
like in France. He went, come on, boys, get up, be on your feet. And the whole dugout was up and he built this. We didn't win the game. We drew 2-2. But it felt like a win. Um, then we went to, was it Burton? Yeah. Yeah. Cad scored. Massive. Was it four? And you think, wow, we've got, we've got a chance. Because we were, we were adrift. We were miles adrift. away. Miles we were, away. We're going down. Yeah. We're going. And we remember winning that thinking, oh, wow, this is unbelievable. You know, we've played two games, four points. Uh, we've got it here. We've, we've got it. Team, you know, Cabs, Cab on his day, when he was fit, Cabs was far too good for that level. Unfortunately, injuries played its part. Um, and then, was that, did he only have two games of us, Martin? Three. We, we played through at home as well. We beat him 2 1 the week two, after. 2 1. That's right. Um, and uh, I remember that Sunday night, I got a text message from a friend of mine saying, uh, some of my friends in Bristol and, and seeing your manager with talking to someone. Ooh, right, okay. And then that night I got a phone call from Martin saying, Grex, <laughs> you're going to be really upset with me. This is the second time I'm ringing you to say I'm leaving. <laughs> he said, I don't want to leave. This, this is exactly what he said to me. I don't really want to leave. He said, I've told, I've told Tony what I want. Um, because Notts County were struggling at the time. Mm. They, weren't, they were doing relegation themselves, weren't they? In League One. Yeah. And I remember saying, I don't, want, I don't really want to go because I think we've got something here, but, you know, the deal they're off me is, is, is good. You know, Tony can't, can't get to it. I said, so you've got a decision to make. You, you come with me to Notts County or you get the Barnet job. I said, what do you mean get the Barnet? He said, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? I've, you told me I've just been blowing balloons up all year for kids. <laughs> he said, no. I said, listen, Grats, if you don't come with me, he said, you'll get the barn job. I told Tony to give you the job. He'll listen to me because we've got something going. You know what we do. Keep it the same. And we had, we had already, after the game on the Saturday against Crew, we had already set up the team for Berry next week. You know, he's out there wanted to play. That's how ahead he was with games. He knew personnel. He went, you know what we're doing. You've got me at the end of the phone if you want to do it. He'll give you the job. So I remember Tony up the next day and um, Tony gave me the job. You know, carry it on, Grex. So and I brought Gary Phillips in uh, and I brought Anwar Rudin a little bit closer in. Yeah. Well. <clears throat> um, Anwar was fantastic as well. But Gaz, Gary Phillips was quality, Gaz. Um, <laughs> sort of person that should never leave a football club. Yeah. To be honest. Um, and I remember we played Berry away the first game. This is one of my stories that I always tell people. So my first ever game as a manager, League Two, playing top of the table, Berry at the time. Um, I was nervous as hell, like you would be. And I was one of those, I'd always been in a technical area. You know, I was never sat on the bench, always in the technical area. And I remember after five minutes, <laughs> Gary Phillips taps me on the shoulder. I says, Grats, we've got a problem. So you, you sort of stand back and you look on the pitch to see who's injured, like someone's down. I said, what's the matter? He went, the police want to arrest one of the players. <laughs> went, pardon? He said, yeah, the police, I, can't, I won't say his name, won't say his number, um, but the police will arrest so-and-so. What? I remember turning around and Barry got really small dugouts. There's a real little, to get the change, it was quite a narrow entrance. And there was two police officers stood there. And I remember shuffling back to speak to him. I said, can I help you, officer? He said, yeah, we want your number, whatever, off the pitch. Why? He's, we've caught, he's been caught stealing at the, you know, boot room. Remember, this is five minutes into my, managerial <laughs> debut in a relegation battle and I'm thinking you've been serious he said we want to miss the pitch 
I went, I can't, he's playing. <laughs> we went him off. You know, he's been caught. We've gone in his bag, we found it. I went, I said, officer, this is my first ever game as a manager. So we're in a relegation battle. I said, I promise you now, if in 20 minutes he's not doing it, I'll take him off and you can have it. <laughs> but he said, and he said, uh, he said, Mr. Grazio, he said, we need reassurances that he won't leave the, 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 the premises. If he leaves the premises, we can't really do nothing. He's on site. We need to arrest him. He went, listen, I promise you now, what you told me, if that's correct, yeah, and some of his teammates find out what he's done, he won't leave his premises anyway. <laughs> yeah? So that was the game. You know, you're like, we got beat 2-0, but I would just remember that from that moment, thinking, really? All what we're going through, and you've got players doing stuff like that. And that was the first inclination in my head that, is this really what I want to do going forward? Because I ain't slept all week being the manager of the club and worrying about, am I going to be the per- I was one of the boys who got promoted, but am I going to be the one that gets relegated? Although I wasn't there for the whole <laughs> season, but I've been known as the manager that finally got relegated. I was going to ask, I was going to ask when the job was offered to you, did you have any reluctance? Because I, I think, you know, to give it, to give a comparison, when Alan Shearer went to Newcastle, in a yeah. similar situation when they were going down and he was a legend and he scored all the goals playing and obviously he took him down. Did that kind of go through your mind at all when you took oh, the job? Yeah. Listen, that, that was the biggest thing in my head was what am I, cause I said yes straight away. I didn't think about it. I said, yeah, I want to do it. Um, but then you start worrying. You think, oh, I'm, I'm not going to be the one. But this is where Paul's fair clubs helped all those years ago about being stronger mentally. You know, Gratz, he won't be you that brought him down. This happened the 30 or games previous to this point you know don't worry we won three games two games already in a draw you know you, there's been a bit of a buzz let's take it on so uh, but I remember that not sleeping all week and then hearing one of your players do that I think do they care as much as I do about keeping this club up and that was the first time and that lived with me for a while and made me come out of football because I don't think players took it as serious as much as I, I took it when I was a player um, yeah, we'd love to uh, laugh and a joke, but the work is your work, training. And I think maybe because it meant too much to me at the club, it was that affiliation, probably hurt more. Maybe if I was at another club, would it be the same? I'm not sure. Because it was my club and the affiliation I had with everybody, it hurt It hurt me more. Um, and I remember that after the Berry game, I had a phone call from Tony saying, I'm bringing a, a consultant in for you, someone who's used to... <laughs> Someone in who's got an experience of never been relegated, um, wins knockout tournaments, one-off games, and this is what we need. And it was Laurie. So I remember meeting him on the Sunday. First time I ever met him. And I remember I got loads of phone calls from people in the game saying, let me know what you think of him. He's a strange character. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And literally on the Sunday night when I come home, I remember speaking to my wife going, I'm really not, I'm really not sure. You know, you're not sure about someone. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I didn't get a feeling. I didn't get but you may laugh at this, but I'm honestly say after the year I worked with him, what a lovely guy. That's just his persona he puts out. He take, I don't think he's got a lot of friends in the game, should we say. I think it takes a lot to to open himself up, but I, I had a lot of time for Laurie. I did. I had a lot of time. To, to be fair, when you look at uh, the type of characters that he played with at Wimbledon and what they were like, uh, you, you sort it. of had to not... No, it's wrong, isn't it? Everything's a little bit odd about that. And, I'm sure, uh, went, yeah, I'm sure part of that is built into what he became as a manager and as a, as a person going forward as well. And he, 
he was, very, you know, he was an unusual character, unusual manager from a fan's point of view, but um, a big name, to be fair, when he came. He was, he came he was a very, very articulate man, bright, bright man. Um, and he, he, he was like a consultant who would discuss everything when we were doing training. If I wanted to change something, he'll say, yeah, do that. You can do, you know, like, I liked it. I liked that way. The way that was shaped up then, I liked. I had a bit of guidance. He was very good. Very, very good, Laurie. Um, and one thing I liked about him, what he'd done, when we stayed up that day, and he was instrumental in all that, yeah, people would think, it was me. It wasn't me. Laurie was massive in all of that. Um, but I had all, I got all the hype, obviously, because I was there a little bit earlier. Um, he played a massive part. He he was just sat in the change rooms. We were out on the pit celebrating. He had sat in the change I remember going in to see him. Say, come on, you know, you're part of it now, no. you go and enjoy it. He didn't get involved. He left if, us. If, I, if I could counter that just slightly, though, um, I think a little bit of what carried us over the line that, that, that year was the feeling that was not just in the, on the fans, but the players and the belief. And I, I, whatever Laurie Sanchez might have brought technically, whatever he might have brought from experience and those kind of things. I think having you there steering a ship, having Gary Phillips there as a, maybe one of those guys that appeals to some of the older fans who may, may be quicker to criticise but didn't because they felt part of it. Um, having two people that have won the league for, for Barnet yeah. there, um, it, it meant that everyone was in it together. And, and I would argue that actually it was that that carried it over. No, that yeah. and yeah, I, I'm sure I you had tactical genius as well but it was a bit of that that brought it together you know and, and yeah, got us yeah, no, don't get me wrong listen yeah I, I can see that there was a real spirit those last few games it, people forget though we, we were relegated at half time at Accrington oh uh, yeah yeah you know we'd gone down when we we'd relegated if the score stayed the same we'd gone down that day um, with 15 minutes to go we were down as well I think LinkedIn yeah. in, in that run of games I just definitely remember from a fan's perspective a game that was particularly memorable and Ian's nodding his head and he knows exactly what I'm going to say. It was Gillingham. Remember, it was boiling hot and we'd been in yep. London that day um, drinking all day and it was just a, it was a great atmosphere up there. And for so, somehow we just pulled, pulled something out of the hat. You know, Isaac McLeod scored a hat-trick and I, I looked and at the highlights again the other day. I forgot this. He, he missed another penalty. He, could have got he, tried, to he tried to do Paneka, didn't he? Paneka, yeah. where we call it, and he... And that was, that, that, was, that was something that was really memorable and that sort of got us back in, in the group of, uh, of, of getting in. We, um, and in the dugout, was obviously Hesse was manager at the time and Endo was assistant. Yeah. So, um, yeah, massive, massive game. That was, the big, that was the game that done it really for us. It was a big win against them. I think we drew 2-2 with Oxford on the Monday. Um, and then obviously we had the last game going into it. I, I knew we'd beat Paul Bell. I had no issues about beating Paul Bell. Um, we that squad of players there when we had it fit and everyone was fit these were big teams we just needed a little bit of a buzz and uh, a bit of a morale boost um, but yeah as I said we, we, we were down at Eppington that was really strange that was a real funny feeling being on a coach on the way home from there like five six hours away from home thinking right we've got a bit of a reprieve here but you know we were down 15 minutes from the end what was the uh, what was like the kind of reaction like in the change room after that game where you know we were quite well beaten that I think they made the playoffs with that win so they were they were decent um and so you maybe expect us to lose but obviously we've got a reprieve because of Lincoln losing but was it 
was it a feeling of relief that we saw a chance? Was it deflated? Um, you get to a point where you think, just get it over and done with after time. Um, but once you've, you've got that little ounce of belief that you think you're going to do it, I mean, Martin was great. Martin would bring me all the time still. You know, you're still in it. We still have a chance. I remember Martin saying to me on the first day, we want to be in this in the last game of the season. If we were in it the last game of the season, we'll do it. We just got to get that last game of the season with a chance. Um, and he was and he was proved right. We know we did we did. But like I said, I knew we'd be Paul Bell. That was that weren't going to be the issue that day. The issue was going to be order shot Lincoln. That was the big one. Um, I knew we'd pull out in the bag. When you got people like Eisel, he scores goals. Eisel always going to score goals. Always going to score goals. And, and I tell you, it was an unsung hero that the last few games was Jack Midson. Never scored a goal for us. <laughs> but you know, and <laughs> what was funny that summer um, we declined signing him. Just for the fact that he didn't have a shot at goal, never scored a goal, and we thought we need goals in the team. Even though he led that line really well for us during that period, he really did. And then the following year, he went to Wimbledon, he scored like 25 goals. Yeah. He did all right after Barnett. Uh, one, one of the other loan signings in that spell was um, Jude Sterling. Who, oh, Jude! Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the impact kind of in the change room of it? it? It felt from the terraces that he was massive to it all, whether how much of a part he played. It was because, listen, we know as a footballer, he wasn't as gifted as, say, a Sam Deering or a Mark Marshall. Um, but what he did have was that throw that caused so many issues. And Martin used that throughout his career. You know, Muggleton signed Muggleton as well you know it's just a threat whether you're winning or losing you've got someone like that <laughs> to the point where this is a really funny story I remember he'd, he'd taken a long throw and it went back towards him and he was going to take a touch and we all said no because <laughs> his throws were better than his crossing <laughs> so, um, he, he just he was he was we had a bit of spirit and that was Martin he brought that spirit in again a bit of laughter, a bit of fun. You know, when you're under when you're under pressure like that, the worst thing you can do is put more pressure on your players. Um, you've got to try and relieve it. That's why training was fun. It wasn't, you know, did they do this, they do that, and we got to tuck in it. It wasn't. It was going, you, we know what you can do. You proved you just beat Burton. Four, you know, you scored four goals, Cam. You just got to chill in them and scored four, five, you know. We know what you can do. Just do it again. You're good players while you're here. And it was more releasing that, relieving that pressure off them. And they did. They went and enjoyed their, they went and enjoyed their football. Marshy was a different player all of a sudden. Um, that front three, Eisel, Midson and Marshall caused all sorts of problems in those last few games. And Deering come in the midfield. Uh, it was a Hughesy was in there with him. Who was the third midfielder? I can't think. Mark Byrne. Mike Hyde? Mark Byrne. Mark Byrne, yeah. Great lad, Bernie. Great lad. Right, and then people like Leachy. Leachy was a, he, he died for a cause, Lee, Daniel Leach. He really did. Um, I can't remember the fullbacks were. Jordan Parks left yeah. back? Yeah, I think he played in those last few games left back was Parks, definitely, yeah. 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 Who else? We have right back. Who's the right back? Clovis Camjo. Was he sent a oh, half? Clovis was playing, definitely. I was going to ask you about him in a second, what it was like managing Clovis Camjo. Uh, right, Shall I, I pull up the lineup from that game? Yeah, yeah, so Leachy centre half is short. He might be with Tobias right back, maybe. So Devera, Parks, Hughes, Devera. Oh, Devera right back. 
Yeah, Clovis at the back. Yeah, Mark, off. Uh, Mark Marshall, Clovis, Dan Leach, Isa McLeod, Jackson, yeah. and that Sam Walker chap in goal. That's right. Yeah, he did one thing in that game with like thirty seconds to go. <laughs> <in the ball. laughs> yeah. ah, is he sure? I couldn't believe what he does. Um, but yeah, no, it was. It was uh, that was amazing. That, 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 that's my best moment in football. Yeah, well, I was going to ask, it, w- which was better, the 2005 title-winning moment or that staying-up moment in 2011? Staying-up staying because that was intense pressure. I didn't, I didn't sleep for a long time, those few weeks. W- w- winning the league was great, but it went on for, you know, 10 months, whatever it was. Whereas this was just a real short period of time. And you know when you've got people telling you you're not going to do it, you know, there's no way you can do it, and you, and you, you, go, you go against the grain and, the, you know, the underdog wins. The lack of sleep, the euphoria was just too much. That, that brought tears, if I'm honest. That was just like an unbelievable thing. I remember just grabbing Gary Phillips. That was just because he just, it's my club. You know, it's, Barnett is my club, and it meant so much. To the people I knew, um, and I remember the first thing I did was run up to the stand. I think Jeff and Keith were up in the stand, and I jumped onto them because um, I know it meant what it meant to people. And I don't think as managers, a lot of managers out there that understand that, and you only get that at a club like Barnet, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think, I think it all felt a bit more personal to us, obviously, as though you being involved and having been, you yeah. say, you know, in that team a few years before, and that. Um, and I think speaking to a lot of people about that that day, it's weird, isn't it? Because you've come twenty seconds, so it shouldn't be such a big deal. But that, yeah, for me as a fan, was definitely a, a better euphoric moment than the title-winning season, where yeah. we were brilliant. We were brilliant throughout. That feeling when the final whistle went and you're on the pitch and whatever else was was unbelievable. I think the, the other the other one for me is when when your name gets brought up. Sort of the first image I have is is that moment. It isn't it isn't the the year we went up, which is weird because you'd have thought that would be what yeah. you're perhaps more more associated to. But um, I think so, in some ways, you, you know, the look on your face and the look and, and it was because we all had it. I felt like we were all in it together. That moment was a yeah, very very weird, but a very big moment for all of us. I think. What What was strange about that game was because it was only one nil for us, so an equaliser would have got us relegated. Um, we we knew. Lincoln had lost. I think was it three 0 I think they got beat. It was yeah. three. So we, we knew there was no way they're coming back from that. But whilst we were still only one nil, um, that was difficult. That was still you know nail biting stuff. And I mean we had a few chances. Um, I think Byrne had a good chance, put it wider at the post. Um, then obviously we had Sam Walker doing his his little bit as well. <laughs> um, but like I said, when that when that whistle went, oh. My God, just unbelievable scene, unbelievable. Because we were we were down. We should have gone down that year. We should have gone. We should have gone down for sure. Was that the day we were on Soccer AM as well? Yeah, yeah. The whole was thing was just, was just ridiculous. I, I think we didn't sleep for our week either, partly through nerves of being <laughs> belly, but also the game as well. And the whole thing was just madness, really. Um, <laughs> Great times. I, I had to put I had to put that picture on. Sorry. I remember <laughs> that moment when we when we ran on the pitch afterwards, and I just sort of looked up into sort right. of a mad melee <laughs> of people. And I've just looked in, and then I've just seen you, and I just run towards you and just just grabbed you because it was just that moment of euphoria that everyone was describing. 
and it was just it was just mad it was just it was just like obviously with that soccer am in the morning it was just incredible wasn't it yeah i love the it's fact that day, in the picture, it's been a hot day yeah it's boiling in the picture there james you're looking intently into gratz's eyes and he's looking well away anywhere else <laughs> <laughs> yeah very very much a one-way relationship but that's fine by me <laughs> <laughs> And what's your what's your feeling now about the club? I, I guess um, I don't know how much we can go into detail, but I think we're all a little bit disappointed when. Well, how should I put this? I try to put it diplomatically. Um, the one attractive thing about the hive was Grazioli Bar, and and that's now gone. So uh, it it sort of lost all interest. But um, do you, are you still do you still go back? Do you still feel yeah. part yeah, of the no, club? The same you know what? I'm gonna, I'll be brutally honest. I think the hive move lost a lot of soul the football club. Um, I know it was needed. We need to move as a football club. We needed it. Uh, I still say to this day, the fact that it's not in Barnet is a massive issue. Um, it's just, it just, to me, just hasn't got that same close-knit family club that we had under Hill, whether that's because the way the stadium was situated and how it was built. I just... I don't know. Just to me, don't get me wrong. I've never, I've never played at the Hive. I've never managed at the Hive, so it, it might be good. I don't know. But just being a fan in the stands watching it, I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't see that buzz. I don't know. I miss, I miss Westy in the East Terrace and the songs. <laughs> yeah. It's what people don't realise as a player. You heard all what and on. You know, what's the uh, Peter K song Amarillo, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Songs. I, I, I get goose pimples when I hear it. Even now when I hear Guns N' Roses, that song. Yeah. It, it, it's deep, it's deep. It's, it's, it's really deep. Um, but yeah, I just don't think it's got the same feeling that we had at Underhill. Although it's a wonderful stadium. Um, you know, credit to Tony Clampos for that. He's built an unbelievable facility, not just the training ground, but the ground itself is an unbelievable stadium for conference football. I think I think the reality, and it's probably a subject we could cover better at a different time, but I think the reality is that identity means something different to everyone. Sometimes it can be a name, sometimes it can be the colour, you know, the, the kit or the badge. But um, a big part of identity for a lot of people was where it was and the fact that how many different generations of people had stood in the same place or sat in the same place yeah. before them. And when you lose that, and you could say the same, of, you know, there's a lot of clubs, I'm sure Arsenal say the same, I'm sure Spurs fans say the same now, but for Barnet, as, a, as you say, when you've grown up around it and been part of it, when it's not, it's not, you, you sort of lose a little bit when it moves. But, um, mm. now, you know, it is what it is. We've still got the memories, right? Oh, without doubt. Without, listen, you, you speak to the guys who won the league only a few years ago. They'll probably say it's a fantastic place. It was, you know, it's, you know, it, it's just the era that I, I grew up as the fan and, and the football player. You know, speak to yeah. the, the modern players now, they'll probably say the same about where the hive now. So, you know, it's, it's just the moments that I remember and I'm comparing it to what I had and the smells and the noise um, just seems a little bit different for me. Although it's a wonderful place, yeah, it lacks that something for me. It, it's very practical now, but what we had before just, I say, felt different. We had our time anyway. We had our time. We did. Yeah, listen, it was right for the club to move. We had to move on. It's the right decision. We couldn't, you know, it was getting run down the stadium under Hill. That slope caused issues. You know, teams didn't like to come and play against us there just because that slope. Um, but like I said, I think the fact that it's not in the borough, I think, has 
you know, to me, it just doesn't fit right. Yeah. No, I feel, yeah, it kind of applies to all of us as well. Um, I think that's everything. Uh, I think we've, you know, taken a lot of your time there. So thank you for the time today, Gratz, and thank you, obviously, for all the memories on the pitch and that shorts into the dugout as well. Um, and thanks for taking the time to go through that with us. And I'm sure lots of other people will enjoy listening to it as well. No problem. Thank you, guys. Look after yourself. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers, Cheers mate. Thank you. Oh, it's not from Curry, not a bad